Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn this week. Tashawn Reed is taking the bye week off, uh, getting some R&R there after uh, the Raiders went into Kansas City. He went into Kansas City, and uh, the Raiders came away with a 40-32 win. They head into the bye week at 3-2. and two. I mean, all of a sudden, the vibes around this team so much better. You know, you lose two in a row in the NFL. The way things go, it can feel like the sky is falling. All of a sudden, you win one, especially one that people really counted kind of as a loss when they look at the schedule. It changes the, the whole perspective of things. And now you go into a bye week hoping to get healthy and coming out of it facing the Buccaneers and suddenly feel like, hey, we can go beat the Bucks, We can beat Tom Brady and get to four and two. So really, the win on Sunday, I think, has just totally changed the vibe around this team. I agree. Raider fans are uh, going crazy. They're counting W's the rest of the schedule. Derek Carr is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Defense is up and coming. People are definitely loving loving life, and that's cool. It's, you got two weeks to enjoy it, but uh, you know it's not a finished product. I think this team definitely has to keep getting better. But uh, yeah, like you said, definitely a huge change of uh, of tone amongst the team and amongst the uh, the fans. Yeah, I mean, they could have went into the bye week losing three in a row, and you know you you can make the excuses like. They played the toughest schedule, but all of a sudden they have a winning record. Uh, they're going to the bye week. They have a chance to get some of their guys healthy. They still have two tough games ahead of them with the Buccaneers and um, the Browns. But a- after that, the schedule gets soft, really like easy. <laughs> easy. <laughs> I, I, I mean, they not going to lose a game. I mean, I think they statistically wise, I think they have the, the easiest schedule for the rest of the season, right? Yeah, I mean, you look at it after Tampa and Cleveland. You got the Chargers, who, you know, Justin Herbert has looked pretty good. I mean, uh, almost beat the the Saints. And then it's Denver. The home game against Kansas City is obviously tough. And then at Atlanta, at the New York Jets, home against the Colts. I don't know if Phillip Rivers will still be quarterback by then. Home against the Chargers, home against the Dolphins at Denver. That's a pretty nice way to finish off the the schedule after, uh, after the first seven games. Yeah, I mean, if the season ended today, I believe that they are in the playoff race right now, right? They're in contention for that wild card spot. So, yeah, good. just a good position for the Raiders to be in after uh, five games. The season does not end today, though, unfortunately. Yeah, but they would be in the seventh playoff spot um, five games in. It's it's way too early to really pay too much attention to the playoff standings. But, yeah, I mean, they, you know, there are the expanded playoffs this year. So seven teams get in and uh, right now they, they sit in that number seven spot. I got, I got nothing. <laughs> Vic is not ready to talk playoffs yet, uh, but no, we can't blame him. Um, the Raiders going into the bye. We know that they've dealt with a lot of injuries, and, and Henry Ruggs has two games he missed. The injuries that he's dealt with have maybe 
kind of really been been as impactful as any because we just see how different their offense is when he's not out there for those two games and then suddenly when he is back out there. So they got him back and then the the hope is coming out of the bye that they can get uh, Malik Collins who missed uh, the game on Sunday with a shoulder injury, Mo Hurst who's on the COVID-19 reserve list, um, and then uh, hopefully get Richie Incognito off of IR and then try to get, uh, if they can get receiver Brian Edwards back. I mean, if they suddenly get those four guys back, they already got back Ruggs, they got back Trent Brown, that they've gotten to three and two despite those injuries and could be getting healthy at the right time, It's it could set up for a real special season. Yeah, the offense definitely is one of the best in the league, I think, getting those guys back. I mean, if you get Richie back, all of a sudden you probably, again, talk about having the top three or four O-line in the league. They did have one setback this week. They lost um, Carl Nassib to a broken toe. I'm not sure what the timeline is on that, but he got hurt on Sunday, so... Definitely need uh, to address that pass rush. I don't know if you bring somebody else. I don't know who else is out there, but, I mean, the pass rush wasn't great as it was, so he definitely would be a loss. They did play surprisingly well against the Chiefs, obviously, and I just was reviewing the tape, and, I, I, you know, I still, still can't believe, like, this is the same Clellan Farrell that we've seen in his rookie year and even the first uh, four games of the season. He was just playing with bad intentions like he he was disruptive and another guy was Vickers he was surprisingly good too and he wasn't just going against KO's backup he was getting some good rushes on the right side too it's good that they could add him into the rotation uh with Collins coming back and Hurst coming back nobody knows he's alive Kendall Vickers. Only Gruden and and the Raiders know that Kendall Vickers is alive until uh, until Sunday, right, Vic? Maybe his mom. Maybe his cousins. But yeah, that, <laughs> I would hope. That, that's, what, that's what John said on Monday. He definitely is feeling it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, the CFL guy who had chances to play earlier in the year didn't do that much, but definitely came out and uh, had a big game Sunday. So those are the kind of guys. So did the other guys, the Dayton Jones and Chris Smith, guys who are now back on their practice squad. But that's what you need. You need guys to step up when you give them a chance to play. Vickers on the roster now? Or is he staying on the roster? He's been all year, yeah. So I mean, okay. the other two guys were, were Jones and Smith who came up for the game on Sunday. Now they're back down. But Vickers has been on the, the squad, I believe, since opening day. This is proof. <laughs> Nobody knows that he's alive. Ted Wynn did not know that Kendall Vickers was alive. So that is proof that John Gruden is right. That, But, no, you know, Vic, you wrote about it. We talked about it after the, the game on Sunday. A couple guys that have earned more playing time going forward, and one of them is Devontae Booker. Guy really just looks like a, a perfect compliment to Josh Jacobs. I mean, I think the Raiders tweeted it out, the, that 43-yard run that he had, um, the expected average, uh, the expected gain on that was five yards, and he took it 43. He just really looks like he's got a, you know, kind of another gear this year. Um, you know, really, he, he kind of burst on the scene, had a good rookie year, I think, with the Broncos and hadn't done much the last few years. But, man, he looks like a, just a perfect backup for them. Yeah, I definitely took it personally when the Broncos uh, got rid of him. I think he showed he hit the holes pretty hard. He definitely has some moves after he gets through the hole, and I think it's been a great great find for them. I think he's definitely a guy you can count on when Josh Jacobs needs a breather. I do think it's curious, though. I'm wondering about, you know, you saw Le'Veon Bell got waived by the uh, by the Jets. And again, John just gave, you know, Booker a lot of love on Monday, and it's probably a great fit, but I have to imagine that John's thinking about <laughs> Le'Veon Bell a little bit. I have to think he's wondering about what it would be like to have the kind of guy on third down and some packages that he has drawn up. So we'll see what happens with Le'Veon Bell. I don't know what kind of offers he'll get around the league, but I do know that I'm sure John Gruden's thinking about it just a little bit. With Bell, the Jets are still on, on the hook for his um, his salary this year, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely a, you can get him at a discount price, you would think. 
Yeah, you got to think Rudin is thinking about it for sure. <laughs> there are a lot of teams who need starters, but I mean, I guess the Bears could use them if people talking about. Oh, you know, I heard the Ravens are interested for some reason, but I'm curious what the market is for them. And if it's not that robust, then maybe the Raiders get involved. They don't have a lot of money available, but and again, they don't really have a need at that spot. But I know John Gruden likes those former uh, first round picks, just like Al Davis used to. You would have to be able to convince him that there is enough of a role there. Obviously, with Jacobs, is going to always get the bulk of the carries, and and as good as Devontae Booker's looked, I mean, you know, you assume that Le'Veon Bell, just with his pedigree, is it would step in and be better than him as a backup, but um, you don't 100% know that, and obviously Booker's looked good right now, and you you know, might just not want to mess with a good thing. Yeah, you still got Jalen Rashard. There's, there's no need, really. I mean, even theoretic in the practice squad, there's no need for Le'Veon Bell, but that doesn't You're mean... putting Le'Veon Bell in the practice squad? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying if... <laughs> I'll say Theoretic's there, so he's still waiting to come up. But, uh, yeah, I'm not saying there's a need for him. I just think that uh, I'm sure it's an interesting thought to have uh, during the bye week. I thought you said theoretically on the practice. Oh, I'm sorry. I said Theoretic. Riddick. There you go. Theoretic. Theoretic. Yo, Jeff Heath, I know obviously Eric Harris is kind of a guy that that Raider fans pick on, um, you know, for the plays that he doesn't make. And um, Jeff Heath got a chance. You know, he played 30 snaps on Sunday, and he did make a big play. Had that game ceiling interception. Can we see him just stealing snaps from Eric Harris, or is there a chance that uh, by the time the Bucks roll into town, he he's taking that starting job? It's a good question. I think uh, I'm sure Eric Harris thinking that that interception was a what, fourth down desperation play. You jumped the pass. I'm sure Eric Harris not going to make that play. <laughs> but, you know, but again, I, I think, mean, I had three interceptions in a game it, one time. Exactly. So man, no big deal. But I think you saw what kind of almost close to half half mix of snaps this weekend. That might be the recipe for a while. I think they want to get Jeff Ethan in more often, but I'm not sure they're totally going to give up, give up on Eric Harris. So I could see them kind of sharing the job for a little while. Yeah, I think he definitely earned more snaps, but I, I can't see him just taking that role from from Eric Harris. Hey, I mean, Heath leaves Dallas, and their defense is in shambles, and then he gets some PT against the Chiefs, and all of a sudden the, the Raiders' defense looks capable. So who knows? Maybe there is something to this uh, Jeff Heath guy. When Gruden kept telling us Malik Collins is the key to the defense, he, he was just thinking of the wrong former Cowboy, I guess. All right. Well, it's the bye week, so, you know, it, we're a little bit slow uh, in terms of news and, and what to track. You know, the Raiders are going to get some rest and obviously hope to get some guys healthy back. So uh, we're going to take a bunch of questions here. So we'll uh, we'll start up here. We've got uh, a real-time tab on our app that you guys can go to. I'll, I'll always send out a note there um, every day before we record this, and you guys can uh, ask away with questions there. And uh, the first one here is from Alex V, and it, it's something that we kind of talked about a little bit earlier. Um, with the way the schedule is set, up uh, the easiest remaining can the Raiders win the AFC West if they don't win the division do they still make the playoffs as a wild card so they're three and two the Chiefs are four and one they obviously will play again Raider fans can, can look at that schedule and start stacking wins that if they want to but uh, obviously I, I would think most fans are going to want to play it cautious not get too excited not get too ahead of themselves I mean I, I think there's an outside chance they could they could challenge the Chiefs, I mean, they, they've already got the one win in the bag. There's a chance. I mean, I still think the, the Chiefs would be considered the favorites to win the division, but I mean, I got to like their chances as a wild card, especially with an extra playoff spot this year. Yeah, I still think the Chiefs are probably going to win the division. I know right, that's going to be a, a killjoy for Raider fans, but I think they're still a little better than the Raiders are. I know the Sunday evidence uh, notwithstanding, but uh, I think the playoffs definitely within reach. I think you mentioned the schedule earlier. Definitely the road is there to make the playoffs. I think that'll be a, a nice a nice season for these guys. I think the Chiefs are, like you guys, are going to be the favorite to win a division. 
I mean, they got to the Super Bowl last year. Some really good teams have hiccups. It, it, it happens. I think the Chiefs will get back on track. And it's just going to be tough catching them. But, I mean, I, I think the Raiders have a really good shot at the wild card, like you guys said. All right, question here from Diego L. What games should we watch um, the out- that the outcomes could affect our team for Sunday and Monday since the Raiders are on the bye? So basically, what games wow. should you be paying attention to? Uh, watch them all. Every every game. I'll point out a couple. I mean, I think Browns Steelers. You know, you got the four and one Browns against the four and zero Steelers. Obviously, the Browns are on the upcoming schedule. The Browns are currently right ahead of you in the in the wild card playoff standing. So that just as a you know a game of a of a team you're going to be playing soon coming up and and could uh, be involved in the wild card race is is probably a good one to watch. Um, Packers Buccaneers. I mean, it's an NFC game, but you got the Bucks coming up next week so i'd I'd probably want to watch that one just to see how tom brady looks against the four and oh packers monday night you've got uh one of two monday night games um you know who knows hopefully the schedule all stays the same chiefs bills i mean two four and one teams division rival another team that's going to be in the afc playoff picture that you already played i would certainly want to watch that one on monday night did you mention uh new england denver yeah new england denver i mean Patriots should certainly be in that wild card mix there with you. They're two and two. Um, I don't know that the Broncos will get into the AFC West mix, but watch them all. Watch them all. Then like look for like look for like backup pass rushers who aren't playing as much as they could be, maybe available on trade on the trade market. That's like, that's what we need. Look for the pass rushers who are not playing that much, but flash a little bit where you can think of maybe you can call up Mike Mayak and say, hey, this guy is available. Okay, so that leads into this question here. Nice. See. Segway. No morale questions after Sunday's performance. This team has me dreaming of a playoff run. With that in mind, do you see any trade targets the Raiders may go after uh, to help push them over the edge, especially on defense? Vic, give us your trade targets. Or do we have to wait until next week? Uh, I'd wait because I don't really know who's out there. I mean, are there really pass rushers available? I mean, I, I, what are the biggest needs? You would say a pass rusher probably. You would say safety. I know they're still looking at maybe a linebacker. Anything up front, defense. I mean, they take anyone on any level of defense, I would think, to help them out. I think offense is pretty much set in my mind. So I just don't know if those guys are available. Are there other safeties who can come in and start for you or guys who can come in and, and rush the passer? I'm guessing not, but I don't know that much about the depth around the league at those at those spots i mean i think you got to pick teams right that are going to be out of it and start looking at you know who they have you look at like the falcons uh who do they have on defense that they might be willing to get rid of uh tack mckinley a kid from uh from richmond uh he's in his fourth year you know has not been signed to an extension or anything like that i mean he's so he's in the last year of his rookie deal maybe he's a he's a guy that you bring in to, to give some uh defensive line depth i once covered him uh running in a track meet like two months after he picked up track and he won the race and and didn't know it and comes up to me and i tell him that he won and he gives me a big old hug <laughs> love tack mckinley i can bring him to the raiders ted who's come on you you watch the league who's who's on your trade target list i'm looking and all these guys have huge contracts <laughs> so you know like houston they are i don't know if they're they've conceded to rebuilding but i mean you know why why would they need jj watt if they're like <laughs> rebuilding at his age you know so yeah <laughs> there you go jj watt the trade target maybe the washington football team want to trade one of their pass rushers who do the new york teams have um you kind of start looking at all the teams that are completely out of it and ted's giving you jj watt so is anybody okay with jj watt what about ryan kerrigan yeah, I guess. I mean, what's what's the price taking? <laughs> what's the price taking Ryan Kerrigan? Like a, four, a fourth round pick, fifth round pick? 
he's a little uh, long in the tooth. But yeah, those are the kind of guys you got to look at. I mean, there's definitely a need now. I mean, there was a need before. Now there definitely is a bigger need. So uh, I just don't know what they want to give up. I think they already gave up that fourth round pick for uh, for Wayquan McMillan. Um, I don't know if you can go up too much higher than that. You still want to build through the draft, so it's going to be tough to find the right fit, you know, both financially and in terms of what you can, you can and want to give up. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. All right, we've got from Brandon S. We've got a, a fun out there hypothetical. Yes. If you were the Raiders and Isaiah Simmons continues to struggle and not see the field in Arizona. I haven't confirmed this percentage, but he says he's played 16% of the snaps. Would you trade for him and move him back to safety to play alongside Abram, even though it would likely take the 2021 first-rounder to get it done? Hard to see them getting a better prospect in the draft than Simmons, and there's a serious disconnect with him in Arizona right now with them not playing him, albeit it's early in his rookie year. Yeah, especially one where they knew that it would take some time for him to acclimate into the NFL because they want him to play so many different positions. He has played very little in Arizona, and you know there's no preseason in this season, so this is going to be just a really tough year for him. I don't see them giving up on Simmons, and I see Simmons as more of a strong safety if he does convert fully to safety which Abram plays, so I, I don't think uh, there's a fit there. Plus, I think if the Raiders were going to give up a first or second round pick, they'd want to impact you know, a legitimate star player, which I don't think he would be this, maybe someday, but not at this point of his career this season. So I think the price would be way off. And I, again, I can't see them trading him anyway. All right, uh, Jeremy P., where does that game Sunday rank for Derek Carr all-time in a Raiders uniform? Was that the signature win of his career so far? I went and kind of dug through the career game log. First looked by, you know, the ESPN total QBR stat. They have it as his fifth highest rated game. I think by passer rating, it's like number seven. But in terms of what what really kind of took away any a whole lot of legitimacy out of the, the QBR stat was that like no game from 2016 like ranks in the top 10, I don't think, in in Carr's uh, career for QBR, I mean, his rating for all those games were pretty low. What they rate as his best game by QBR, 95.2, was a 2018 loss to Indianapolis where he was 21-28, 244 with three touchdowns. I mean, for me, I think it it enters the conversation and prob- probably possibly exceeds that the 2016 Saints game. There was that that Bucks overtime game with, what, 500-something yards. Um Again in 2016, um, you know the Chiefs game that where they won on that uh, the, the night game at uh, at the Coliseum. What other ones were you guys put in that conversation? It's a good list. I think if you really wanted to like uh, the 0-10 win over the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football was a big one. That last you know the last second touchdown and they came back to win. He's had so many comebacks in his career that there's a bunch of those that stand out. But I like your list. I think. Um, I might put this one first just because of, you know, just the monkey on his back. I mean, all the talk, but he can't win at KC and just kind of how they had the Raiders number. No one gave him a chance to win that game except for Tim Kawakami, even though his he was just being a contrarian, really, but that's another topic. But, um, but yeah, I'd say this one probably, to me, it probably is his best win. Yeah, this has to be up there, just considering the context of him never winning in KC and the position that it puts the Raiders in now. You know, he was thrown deep. I, I think one play that really stood out to me was that third and 18 throw to Hunter Renfro because, you know, throughout his entire career, even in 2016 on third and 12 plus, and it's kind of a coach's philosophy too where 
they just kind of give up and throw run a draw or run a screen or something like that. But he hung in a pocket and he he threw it deep. He let things develop and he hit Renfro and converted that first down. So maybe it's a sign that we're going to see a more aggressive Derek Carr for the the rest of the season. But yeah, I would definitely put that game up there. You know, I think what happens next will probably determine a lot of it. You know that the the Saints game, you know, it, it was a thrilling win right there in itself. And kind of the legend of it grew as that team developed into one that went 12 and four and made the playoffs. And who knows what happens if Derek Carr doesn't get injured on Christmas Eve. So that kind of took on a a legendary status as the season went along. And if this is the start of a run where this team gets to 10 and six, 11 and five gets into the playoffs. And I think you'll, you'll look back on this even more, but yeah, I think right now it's probably number one. It's, It's at minimum in the top two or three. For Derek, I think confidence is a huge deal for him. I think having the O-line almost back and having the receiving weapons he does now, the running back and ground game, I think for him this game is going to be you know just great for his confidence. And 2016, like you mentioned, things just kind of rolled downhill after that point, kind of uh, gained some speed and kind of he was feeling great. And I think there's no reason why this offense can't do a similar thing this year. All right, a couple more questions here. We'll start with uh, Garth G. says, uh, Jonathan Abram is so fun to watch as a fan. He's flying around the field, throwing his body recklessly all over the place to make plays and hitting hard, sometimes hitting his teammates. He plays like that crazy friend at the bar who you're kind of scared of, but ultimately glad he's on your side. But he takes so much punishment. I fear he can't physically last. What's the over-under on how long Abram can last before injuries ultimately take him out? Oh, that's morbid. <laughs> oh, man. I, <laughs> I'm not going to guess that. But I just think um, with, with Abram, I think, like, you know, he, he jokes about it, but he really is kind of still a rookie. He didn't play at all last year, played that one game last year. So I think you see some of the – there's some great plays. Also, still some warts. There's still some things he misses and overaggression at times. But you got to figure he's going to get better and better. And as they – like Jim O'Neill today said at the Zoom conference, they love the guy. He gives him a – he's an alpha dog, as Jim said, and he kind of gives him that – don't come in the middle of the field kind of scares people off in the middle of the field. So I think there's, it's, uh, it's all positives right now with, with Jonathan Abram. In the past, there's been, you, know, you don't see his type of uh, safeties that play like him in today's game anymore. But, you know, 10 years ago, there, there's plenty of safeties that played with that physical mentality that lasted a long time, too. So he's just kind of a throwback player. And I, I think it's kind of uh, jarring to see that type of player in today's era but th- there has been safeties like him in, in the past that has lo- at that had long careers all right uh second question from garth uh kind of a little off topic but it's a, a question that my wife asked and i ultimately don't know the real answer so come on guys wife's got a question we got to help him out do players get a brand new jersey for each game you never see them start a game with a ripped or stained jerseys if so what do they do with all those game jerseys seek them off to memorabilia markets and such I believe it's, you know, they get one per year of each type and, but they can buy more. I mean, obviously if they do a, if they do a Jersey exchange, they basically have to buy a new Jersey. I mean, I'm sure if if a Jersey gets damaged, ripped all that, the, they get a new one, but I mean, it's definitely not a new one every game. I mean, they're, they're washing those puppies and, uh, you know, as much as they customize them, uh, they're washing them and and they're reusing them at least uh, a few times. All right. We'll get one more question here before we get out of here, because, uh, two guys asked about him. Uh, Miguel G and Evan M will kind of combine the, the, the two questions uh, from a professional point of view. How bad is Corey Littleton played? He often seems out of place, not very physical and didn't seem to affect Travis Kelsey at all. Evan guys love the show. What needs to happen for Littleton to be more effective? So Miguel wants to know how bad Littleton is. 
Evan wants to know how, what needs to happen to make him more effective. So taking the positive uh, view of it, uh, is it a scheme issue or is he just not that good? How do the Raiders maximize his talent? They paid this guy a lot of money. He was kind of the big ticket free agent item they, to, to shore up their linebacker core. Finally, um, what can they do with Corey Littleton, Ted? We had one bad play against the uh, the Chiefs, obviously, when Kelsey kind of burned him on that double move. I thought he played good against the Chiefs overall. I think missing Nick Kwiatkowski was a big deal for him. I think Kwiatkowski just kind of solidifies everything. Does, you know, he Littleton doesn't have to worry about as much communications trying to get guys set. He could just worry about his assignment and playing fast with uh, Kwiatkowski in the lineup. I think we we saw that against Kansas City, and hopefully as Kwiatkowski stays in a lineup, uh, he could get more comfortable and make plays, but he's never been a really good run defender. He's good at chasing plays down from the outside. He's good in coverage, but he's never really been that physical as far as it comes to defending the inside runs, and um, the Raiders kind of struggled with that, so teams were running the ball on them while Kwiatkowski was out. But if they can solidify their run defense, get some leads, then they'll play into Littleton's strengths, which are chasing plays from the outside and, and uh, defending the pass. So, yeah, I just think he'll get better as um, as the season goes along. And as long as he has Kwiatkowski next to him, he'll he'll, he'll start making some plays. Uh, I wouldn't say he played good on Sunday. I think he had a really rough time with Kelsey. I'm not sure how much he was on Kelsey's second half, but in the first half, he kind of got abused a little bit. I think that was their hoping would be the salvation that he actually would be able to cover, you know, a top tight end that kind of legitimize the money that they paid for him. So I'm not sure the fit is great. I know he was a, a 3-4 guy with the Rams, and I, I think his – his role is a little different here, and he's definitely gets lost in space and kind of gets swallowed up by blocks a lot. So uh, I agree with you. He's been better with Kwiatkowski. I'm not sure that's uh, good enough. Uh, I'm definitely curious what happens going forward. I know they brought in uh, Michael Kendricks for a workout yesterday. I'm not sure they're going to sign him right away, but they're looking. They're not, they're not happy with the linebacker play so far. So I think that um, I don't know about his fit uh, looking back or, or going forward if it's going to really uh, turn out to be um, – a good signing after all. You know, it's one of the old adages of free agency. Guys are available for a reason, right? You know, and that doesn't mean that good players don't reach free agency. But what it means is if, if a team really, really, really wants to keep a guy, they're going to keep him. And, and a lot of times it takes a season from when a guy signs a free agent contract for them to really, you know, settle in. Not to say LaMarcus Joyner is, you know, all of a sudden 100% the player the, the Raiders thought they signed last year. But he certainly is better this year in year two. I mean, that might be the, the best way to, to kind of look at Littleton and just hope that by, you know, it might be rough going a little bit right now, but that toward the end of the season and in the next year, he kind of becomes the guy you thought you signed. I mean, ideally, a guy you sign for that kind of money is not totally lost when the other linebacker gets hurt. I mean, ideally, he's able to step up and, and kind of fend for himself. So that, to me, that's a, that's a pretty bad sign. I hate to be a negative Nancy, but I didn't see enough on Sunday to really think that uh, there's a lot of hope for him to have a, a good season. What I meant was that it was probably his best game as a Raider, and I thought he had some good cover snaps on guys other than Travis Kelsey, but I get, you know, the reason why he was brought in is to be able to shut down guys like Kelsey, but maybe I'm lowering my expectations a little bit. But, I mean, if you, you know, want to see the silver lining, he is learning a new system. Like you said, he was in a 3-4 before, and he's kind of learning his new position, and, you know, learning linebacker is pretty new for him too he, he did make a position switch from college i mean we'll see what happens if he gets more settled in i'm, I'm sure right now his, his head's swimming a little bit but yeah just not great so far but i, I think there is some hope 
Also, I don't want to imply that all Nancys are negative, so let's go back and say <laughs> ne- neg- negative Ned. How about that? I'm a neg- I don't want to be How a about negative just negative Ned. Vic? Negative ah, yeah. Vic. That's not the same ring to it. You need the two Ns. Negative Ned. Um, negative Vic's got no ring to it. That's got no sizzle. Vindictive Vic. I don't know. Vindictive Vic. Nah, still, still no sizzle. It doesn't really work. Uh, all right, guys. Well, uh, hope you all enjoy the bye week. I mean, I know uh, for a lot of you guys, it's probably, you know, you'll, you'll miss having Raider football to watch on Sunday, but the kind of beauty of the bye week is, you know, you get to relax a little bit, stress-free Sunday, not worried about your team, and, uh, you know, you guys are, uh, the Raiders are headed in the right direction, it appears, after that win over Kansas City, so it uh, should be a fun Sunday, the whole weekend, to just sit back and watch some, some football. Yeah, take the wife or husband out for a picnic at the park, kind of have some wine going, just enjoy yourself on the Sunday, don't worry about football. <laughs> <laughs> All right, watch all the games like you want to see who the pass pushers are. I, I forgot about that. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Talk to you later. Adios, muchachos, muchachas.